Hey, hey, Haley. Yeah? Hey, I, I've got a, like, prompt for you. Kind of a challenge question. So, uh, are you ready? Yep. Okay. So, uh, let's say that COVID's over and you're back in the office, okay? Mm-hmm. And you've got someone who you work with who's kind of a douchebag. Okay. And let's say that he starts, you know, being rude to you, so you start messing with stuff on his desk. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of, you know, calm the waters. And he retaliates with getting a little figurine, maybe it's a baby Yoda that no. um that Michael bought for you. Uh-huh. And he puts a noose around it and he hangs it. Oh. So your first step, obviously, is to... Kill him. You know, no, go cry... Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Go go cry to the hunky and sweet uh, Ryan Gosling, but... Oh, yeah. After that, what is your retaliation move? Besides murder, I guess, but what what's the next ex- escalation of steps of he hanged your baby Yoda? What do you do next? Um... Well, I'd probably forget about him and just take Ryan Gosling with me and hold him host- hostage. Hostage? And yeah. You mean in love, right? You'd yes, yes. Hostage. Okay. Yes. He Fair loves enough. me. And Michael <laughs> accepts it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We've, we've all, we've all got to have the, the one that our, our spouse is the just like, pass. yep, we get it. Yep, the hall pass. Um, what would I would do next? Um... I would put a stapler in Jello. Good call. Go, I, go with the office. Nice. I thought about um, messing with the drawers of his desk so that he can only open it like half an inch and can't really reach in to grab anything. Oh, that would drive <laughs> me insane. Also from the office. I just <laughs> feel like we could just plan with Jim Halpert and... Except, you know, he comes to like Dwight, and the dude in this movie just kind of blows. He does. He's awful. (laughs) Okay. So I know that, I now know that my sister's range when it comes to Baby Yoda goes from jello stapler to murder. Good to know. And kidnapping. Oh, and kidnapping of Ryan Gosling. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, now that we got that out of the way, I think we can start the episode. Let's do it. the sister and I'm Zach the brother and this is laughing at ourselves welcome to our podcast about movies each month one of us chooses a theme and we do deep dives into films that we love hi Haley hey Zach happy birthday what happy birthday thank you how did you know that you don't know my wife. Um, well, I'm your birth. I'm your what? I'm your sister, so I should know I'm your this birth thing. mother. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm your birthday. I was like, that doesn't make sense. 
Well, thank you. Yes. And for this um, selection, so for our movies or our birthdays, we like to select a movie that is our favorite, that doesn't have to necessarily go with the theme. But Zach's does. Do you want to go into why you picked this movie and why it's your favorite? Sure, yeah. And uh, to Haley's point, our, our theme right now is movies about families. So not necessarily like fun little family movies that you can watch with with kids, but movies about the relationships and families. Uh, we're calling it Blood is Thicker Than Water. That's our title for this. Mm-hmm. But uh, my pick, which is my number one favorite movie of all time, is Lars and the Real Girl. And um, I saw this back when I was in college, and it was a movie that well, I'll get into it when we d- discuss, like, about halfway through, I had an inkling that it was going to be my favorite movie. Oh, really? And and after this, after that specific scene where I was like, oh, this is, this is something different, it was just scene after scene of just being very much my shit. Mm-hmm. So I just, I fell in love with this movie. I remember showing it to the family and having to, like, sell the family on watching it because... Oddly enough, this is a movie that I think you could watch with the entire family and everyone would enjoy. And it was kind of, I think, a tough sell for the parents, Mm -hmm. but I even think they liked it, so... Yeah, I remember um, I they saw it before I did, and when I was talking to mom about it, she was very, like, I thought she wouldn't really care for it, but I remember her saying, you know, it's about this guy who falls in love with a sex doll, but the, mm-hmm. he's like, it's innocent. He's like, you know, there's nothing gross in it or anything like that. It's just he truly loves her. And when she yep. explained it like that, I was like, okay, she really likes this. And she yeah. just, yeah, she loves it. And so does Dad. Just a, Everybody. Just a great movie. <laughs> I know. Everybody. Considering it was a commercial failure, like it what? did terribly when it was released, it's oh. still like... People love it. So uh, we're going to get into it a little bit more, but we we can't break tradition. Yes. Got to find out what we, we got to go to the pop culture corner. Yes. So um, Haley, what's what's new outside of this movie? What are you into right now? Um, well, right now I finished uh, Letter Kenny. That was great. I watched Little Kenny to follow it, which is basically <laughs> a cartoon version of them all and how they met. And it was just it's just this short little series. It's really cute. I, I don't know. I'm bummed that there's no new episodes out. It was so good. Um, but another little thing that I did is I watched Wild Things for the first time with Denise Richards. Have you seen that one? It's a 90s uh, movie. No. Um, oh, I think... So. I, I haven't seen it, but I think I know what you're talking yes. about. Um, <laughs> that movie has, like, five different plot points. I was exhausted watching it, but it was fun. I get why people okay. like it. But, yeah, what about you? Um, let's see. I mean, nothing really happened this week, so I'm... Nothing. This was a slow <laughs> news week. There oh, was no, sure. Nothing to pay attention to or be glued to my... <laughs> uh, no, actually, I, for pop culture, I'm very excited. Um, 
there is an album that I have that has slowly become one of my top five favorite albums. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the album Have One On Me by Joanna Newsom. And uh, I, it, it's an album that came out in 2010, and it is a long album. It's over two hours. It's three like LPs. It's three vinyls. And I thought it was out of print. Mm-hmm. And I went to their, um, I went to her like record company or her studio or representatives website and they had some for sale. Ooh. So a vinyl that is usually like over a hundred dollars on eBay, I got for 30 bucks and it arrived and it's wonderful. I'm was just over the moon that I was able to get this. Heck yeah. So, that is awesome. So, yep, that's mine. But I love it. Let's see. I think that's it. So let's jump into our movie. Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned, uh, we're talking about Lars and the Real Girl. Uh, it's a 2007 film directed by Craig Gillip- uh, Gillespie and written by Nancy Oliver. Uh, it stars Ryan Gosling, Emily Mortimer, Paul Schneider, and uh, Patricia Clarkson. There are a lot of other actors. Uh, did you catch that Ronnie from Schitt's Creek is in this? No, I didn't. Who is he? No, she, the the woman who's the receptionist who hosts the party. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's in Schitt's Creek. <laughs> that what? <laughs> I know. That Amanda pointed that out to me, and I was so happy. So, that is so cool. I loved her. I love that she called uh, Lars Sunshine. Hello, I know. Mr. Sunshine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a 2007 film. Um, it, I think I mentioned, it did not do well when mm-hmm. it came out. It was made on a budget of uh, $12 million and only grossed. 11.3 million so it didn't even make up its budget um, but it has kind of lived on on DVDs uh, I mean it got really good reviews when it came out mm-hmm. uh, it was nominated for best original screenplay mm-hmm. uh, at the Oscars it is wild to me that Ryan Gosling didn't get an Oscar nomination for this because this to me is my favorite of mm-hmm. his performances. Um, yeah, it it is actually I thought this was interesting. It got a lot of favorable reviews with like faith-based media because it's a I guess it was an instructional tool that was used to open dialogue about tolerance, like teaching how to like be kind and accepting to those who you don't understand. Mm. And I kind of like that. That's cool. I, I like that. And I mean, that's part of the big appeal for this and why it fits into this. Um, I think our, our theme for this month, because the plot of it is pretty simple. Uh, Lars, Ryan Gosling, he's a quiet, kind of nice guy who is very socially awkward, and he has a mental break. And 
he purchases a sex doll from a website called Real Dolls, and he believes that the doll is a real person. And so, and that he's falling in love with the doll. And this movie is about how, instead of becoming ostracized, the small town that he lives in steps up to try to support and help him through this, like, mental breakdown he's having. And I just, I love this movie. (laughs) It's a good movie. It's wild, too. When I was doing research for this, um, I mean, this is my favorite film of all time, Mm -hmm. but this came out in 2007, and I would argue that 2007 was maybe for my lifetime, Mm -hmm. the best year in film. Yeah, Juno came out then. What else came out? So on my letterbox, Uh I have have a top 10 of my favorite movies from 2007. Mm -hmm. Here's my 10. Okay. Number 10, There Will Be Blood. Yep. Number 9, Juno. 8, Stardust. Seven, uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Six, No Country for Old Men. Five, Dan in Real Life. Four, Ratatouille. <laughs> Three, Zodiac. Two, Hot Fuzz. Uh huh. And one, Lars and the Real Girl. Oh my gosh! Two- yeah, that was a good year. 2007 has three of my top five films of all time. Wow. So I, I was like, wow, <laughs> stiff competition. <laughs> but Lars and the Real Girl wins out for me. So Yes. So what was it? What do you remember about your first viewing of this film? Um, to be honest, watching it, it was just kind of an adjustment for me because I was used to hot Ryan Gosling. Like, I probably just saw Crazy Stupid Love, you know, the abs, you know, just Ryan Gosling, how we know him, drive, all of that stuff. So it was a big adjustment for me to see such a huge and attractive actor just be introverted. And, you know, he was, he gained a little weight for this role. And, mm-hmm. It was, I don't know, but I loved it. I don't think I like it as much as I do now. Or, I mean, I I like it more than I did then. Okay. How was it first viewing for you? I know you said that this was your favorite movie at a certain part. When did you know it was your favorite movie? So, this movie made me cry. Yes. Um, <laughs> It, it made me, like, it hit me like a gut punch in a, in a moment that I wasn't expecting. But the, the scene that I remember watching and going, oh, shit, this is a different kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are doing, they are operating on a level that is very surprising considering the script, is when they're at the party mm-hmm. and the talking head starts playing. Mm-hmm. This must be the place, and people are dancing, and um, 
the the host of the party, her husband is dancing with Bianca. Mm-hmm. Everyone at this party is has been clued in, and a memo has gone out that that sh- uh, Ryan Gosling is going to be bringing this sex doll, mm-hmm. and they're just accepting. And in the middle of the room is Ryan Gosling, and he his head is down, but he is beaming, mm-hmm. and he's he's doing what is clearly a dance only Lars, that character, would do. And just the joy radiating mm-hmm. off of him. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is... Because I thought it was going to be a comedy. Yeah. The, and this is often classified as comedy. It has comedic stuff. But... And I'm, I'm, I'm almost tearing up I'm right now. I'm tearing up now. <laughs> <laughs> like, this movie hits something for me that was just... Oof. And, and seeing him so happy... After that moment, I feel like a lot of the movie was set up until then. And then at that moment, it is just firing on all cylinders with almost scene after scene of just love mm-hmm. for Lars. And and then I just, because I was so like emotionally invested when, um, when Karen yells at him. Mm-hmm. When she just lays into him about like we do this for you, mm-hmm. I I was bawling. Yep. So, um, yep. Yeah, that that's that's when I knew, and I I always struggled because Big Fish for the longest time was my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. It was the first movie I remember making me cry, and I think we've talked about this before. Like mm-hmm. I was weeping in the theater, mm-hmm. and I. It, I felt bad because you guys all were like waiting for me to stop crying and compose <laughs> myself because we had like, there was just a lot going on at the time. And that was just a perfect punch of, you know, a father son movie mm-hmm. that I, I feel like I feel about that movie, how a lot of kids, you know, kids from the eighties feel about, field of dreams mm-hmm. of just you know connecting with your father and so I loved that but then Lars and the real girl, real girl consistently every time I get choked up with that movie yep big fish I kind of I love it I think it's still beautiful and the ending is a, a knockout mm-hmm. but Lars and the real girl does something else for me so oh yes I was crying throughout the whole movie But it was a good cry. And it brought up a lot of questions for me that I'm excited to ask because I never, watching this movie, it's just always been, I don't really think too much about it. I just, you know, it's it's the journey I'm there for. But there was a lot of things that stuck out to me that I'm excited for us to discuss after the commercial break. Yes. And we're back from the break. Yeah. So you had questions. I did. Um, this movie just, ugh. I feel, I don't know. I feel like I, this rewatching it just now kind of makes me realize, I don't know where it is on my ranking for top 100 in my letterbox, but it needs to be moved quite a bit because <laughs> I don't know where it is right now. I was crying like a baby, and I was just, I had to compose myself right before the podcast. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, um, we had to take a minute. Haley was like, because I I apparently called Haley right as she finished, and she's like, I'm gonna need a minute. <laughs> yes, I I'm composed. Um, but I Mars just, and the Real Girl is number twelve on your um, top one hundred. Well, it needs to be moved. It needs to be moved <laughs> even up there. Oh my goodness, that performance! I don't. Was he never recognized for that? Because he needs to be. Holy he shit! He was not. He was not recognized oh, for it. So good. Um, I just love how he's able to. Uh, the way he communicates with certain people it just shows like he's so uncomfortable. <laughs> I like one comment. So basically, they notice there's a big difference in Lars. And when the doctor who's helping them out asks, Oh, what has changed? Well, it, um, his brother responds back, Well, Karen got pregnant and Lars is nuts. So over time, you find out Lars. His mother died, or died, right, while giving birth to him? Yes. So he is just terrified that this baby is going to die. And Karen, I saw Karen as a mother figure to Lars. Did you see that? Yes. The way that she is just, like, so protective of him and is just the way that she is able to speak with him and correct him when he has got off of hand, it's just he listens to her. What what yep. do you have to say about that? I, well, and that was the, off mic, I, I had said something to you, but that was the thing that I noticed this time while watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, every time that I've watched it, because Ryan Gosling should have gotten an Oscar nomination for yes. this performance. He is amazing mm-hmm. the fact that i mean we'll get to it but the fact that that he acts off of a doll that like as bianca is dying mm-hmm. and he the like kiss he gives her and then the crying and yes. that you believe that devastating mm-hmm. but what i what i keyed in on this time watching it is that the real hero of this movie is Karen. Yes, it is. Absolutely. From, from the get-go, there are there are two things that she that she does that I was like, oh shit, she is she's perfect. And and I wanted to share this note that I I I wrote down. Um so she I put Karen truly is the hero of the story. She is who we hope we could be if we were in this situation. Mm-hmm. And I said, Gus is who we actually would be. Yep. Most of, I think most people would just freak out the way Gus does. Mm-hmm. But she is the, like, pinnacle of what people should be. And that is shown more than anything when the doctor lays everything out for them. And... Gus is freaking out, and she just says, how can we help? Just Yes, I have that. I, <laughs> it, it, it was a motherly thing. It was a sisterly thing. It was just something of mm-hmm. she, she just wants him to be happy mm-hmm. because he is her family. Mm-hmm. And I, 
this whole movie, I mean, I, I loved, I love Emily Mortimer's performance in this. She, she is phenomenal as well and only gets, you know, overshadowed by Gosling's just knockout performance. But I really focused on her and she is just phenomenal. Yes. I also like this one scene. So he gets the doll and his brother answers the door. So his brother answers the door and he asks for Karen. It's like she's, you know, the mother. He wants to please her in some way. Mm -hmm. He's like, where's where's Karen? I want her to like, I have some news, you know, (laughs) it was so good. Their relationship is so interesting, and that's why the blow-up that that they have where he's upset that he has to schedule time with <laughs> Bianca, and then she's like, how dare you? Do uh-huh. you not see what, like, we love you, and you are treating us like crap like now, right mm-hmm. now, and just, and, and the fact that it was, it was a sibling fight because... After Gus gets home, she's she like pulls him into the room. And is like we had a fight. Like it, it's <laughs> it's okay. We had a fight. It's yeah. it's not. Oh fuck, Lars! I'm so mad yeah. at him. It's no, no. Come here. We uh, leave him alone because we had a fight, but we're okay. So hey, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Can yes. g- before we get too much too much more into the the plot of this, mm-hmm. can can we just recognize? how astounding it is that this movie even works because the premise alone, Mm -hmm. you know, I saw this in in my research and a lot of reviews. I feel like in a lot of other hands, this movie could have been very gross. Mm -hmm. It could have been sloppy there, there, you know, no heart on the sleeve, but like, oh, let's make fun of the weirdo who's got who ordered a sex doll, mm-hmm. or like a lot of sex jokes. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've got to credit Nancy Oliver who wrote this. Mm-hmm. She, she wrote for um, Six Feet Under and True Blood. Um, she did a lot of TV stuff before this, but she she threaded the needle on this and it it really feels like her and the director worked together to to make that theme of these people have to care for someone who was broken mm-hmm. not make fun of him mm-hmm. i i just feel like there are so many times in this movie where it could have completely gone off the rails yep and i mean do you, do you, I know you said that mom had to like tell you about it, mm-hmm. but do you remember the first time going in thinking like, this isn't going to work? Um, to be honest, it's, it's a movie that is very unique. Um, as we, it is, um, it took a lot of adjustments, but once you get into it, it's all about the community and how mm-hmm. the community is there for Lars. He is... Uh, it just takes a giant switch. It's not about the doll. It's about the community and how yeah. much they love Lars and are there for him while he is working through this. They, 
don't, I don't, I just love it. I, I'm speechless. Just I finished it. I was, I was talking with my wife, Amanda, and about this movie and how, like, my immediate thought was one, this almost doesn't feel like real life. Especially with, I think, everything that's been going on just recently. It just, that small town feel and the combined love doesn't feel real, but at the same time it does. It feels attainable. And I started thinking about Parks and Recreation and just like the quirky town who, you know, everyone, you know, rallies behind and... I, I I said to Amanda, I was like, does this feel like kind of like Pawnee? And she said, no, this feels like Stars Hollow. Oh, Gilmore Girls. Yes. I totally and, and it, see that. It clicked for me. I felt, I feel like this movie could have been set in Stars Hollow uh-huh. with no changes and it would have worked because it's that small, tight-knit community who just shows up for one another. Yes, yes. And that's so rare to find in media. You know, you're right, Haley. Like, this is a unique movie in that it's weird to see just a group of people coming together. There's no weird subplots or anything. It's just, how do we help this person mm-hmm. who we love? And, I mean, I think the the movie does an admirable job of showing that Lars is worth this love. Mm-hmm. He loves and cares about Gus and Karen. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I noticed this time, did you see what his one piece of like personalization on his desk was? No, what was it? It's Everyone else has toys and pictures yeah. and shit, and you know, all he has is one photo of Gus and Karen. Oh, I love and that so much. He he helps out at his church. I mean, the the elders seem to like him. You know, everyone talks with him. He he is never malicious. He just is uncomfortable with people, and. I don't know. We. I feel like if I just talk about this movie in general, all I'm going to come back to is, I don't know, I just love this movie to go watch it. So. I know, right? Um, I saw something interesting about this movie, and I'm sure as an English teacher you will like this, but pink is a very big color in this movie. Have you noticed that? The pink yep. bowling ball, the pink bedroom, the pink, like he was wearing pink. Like, pink, pink is so big in this movie. Yep. Yeah, it's... I think there's... It's like... I would have to, I think, work a little bit more in the symbols, you know... Um, well, I'm wondering, since the pink room was his mom's room, like, it's just a comforting color for him? Oh, shit. Yep. Because he is, I don't know, I just, I love that at the bowling alley, he has this hot pink ball where all of these other guys and girls have these normal, I don't know. It was just a difference I, that I, I really liked. 
I didn't connect that the pink room was his mom's room. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then yep, because his um, his like thermal that he wears underneath everything, it's pink. Mm-hmm. He's he wears a pink sweater to Bianca's funeral. Yeah, it's ooh, another reason to love this movie. <laughs> God, what a great movie! Yes. I like Karen's response to the husband when he's like, what will people think? And her response is, we can't worry about that. It's like, people are going to laugh. And the doctor is like, mm-hmm. yeah, and at you. <laughs> yep. People are going to laugh at him and at you. Um, I, I wrote down, I think, one scene that probably would be glossed over, but is another just like high acting performance for Ryan Gosling is when he's getting ready to go over to Gus and Karen's and say, Hey, you know, I have a guest here. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's coy, being coy around the box and he's brushing his teeth and opening the door and everything. And he's changing his clothes. But then there's a moment where he's in the bathroom and he's just staring at himself in the mirror. Yes. And to me, that felt like it, no dialogue was needed, uh-huh. and it didn't need to be any longer, but that was very much him, like, uh, it felt like him convincing himself, like, I have to do this. Uh-huh. This is, th- that's like the full mental break uh-huh. of, I, if I'm going to communicate with my brother and my sister-in-law... I'm going to need Bianca's help. Mm-hmm. And so it was it almost seemed like it was him convincing himself to just yes, let's do this. Yes. And and I love from that point on the the delusion never breaks mm-hmm. for Lars until the end. It is real for him. Mm-hmm. He's not faking it. He talks to Bianca even when no one's around. Mm-hmm. You know, like it is real to him, but it seemed like even just a, you know, galaxy brain type moment of this is what I have to do in order to get help because I can't ask for it. I know. Oh, I didn't see it like that. I saw it like that's a great point. Like he's trying to get help. I was I saw it as he was using Bianca. Well, to help himself he's revisiting all of these very painful places for him he's revisiting the grave and he's doing it because he can with her and it's helping him absolutely just the using using a sex doll for (laughs) this is just I mean the I read behind the scenes that they treated the doll like an act like an actress. So <gasps> when when she wasn't in scene, like they would take her to a dressing room, and Ryan Gosling didn't get to see her um, until she was on set with him. Um, they had like six different faces for Bianca, so that 
the first one that you see is her all dolled up with makeup. Yeah. And then the more the story goes along, the less makeup and more natural she looks. Uh-huh. And then by the end, she's got like a green tint to her. Oh. Because she's getting sick. And so they worked to like treat her like another actress so that the feeling that the people in the movie have was also behind the scenes and I love that that's amazing I love that too wow um I noticed a big big theme in this movie is loneliness like the doctor saying you know I get so lonely sometimes I forget my own name and she asks Lars like do you get lonely and he starts laughing like you're funny like yeah it's, I don't know. I saw it as an inside joke. like. Oh, it absolutely was. You know? Yeah. Uh, can, can we talk about Patricia Arquette, the doctor? Oh, yes. She's amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just, you, I loved her the moment she said, uh, you know, he's like, they're all going to laugh at him. And she said, and you. <laughs> Just, it was like, yep, she is. She is on the same wavelength as Karen, mm-hmm. and this doctor and Karen, they are going to save Lars. Mm-hmm. And watching her interact with, with Lars and try to help him, because for those of you who haven't seen this, um, what is wrong with you, but go watch <laughs> it. Um, she, the doctor, her, why am I missing her name um Dagmar Dr. Dagmar Berman uh she is a family practice doctor and a psychologist Mm -hmm. so Karen and Gus decide to take Lars to Dagmar under the pretense that it's let's go get Bianca checked up because she traveled a long way to be here Mm -hmm. and she, Dagmar, we don't see the introduction to it, but she plays along. She does a full checkup on Bianca. And it's like, well, we need to let her rest. So why don't you come talk to me? And I just choked up again. Like, <laughs> I am, I'm an anxious person, uh-huh. very anxious person. And the scenes where Lars would get super anxious and like start squeezing you know like Mm -hmm. squeezing his face when I get really anxious Mm -hmm. recently I don't know why like I feel like I need to put pressure on my head to Mm -hmm. calm down and watching him like go through this just you know nervousness and and having to like squeeze Mm -hmm. and Dagmar just being so kind and respectful of the fact that he doesn't like to be touched but Mm-hmm. Working with him, she is amazing in this. Amazing, love her, and and that's that's high praise coming from um, the fact that she plays Tammy too in Parks and Rec. <laughs> yes, Tammy, still gotta love no, her. No, Tammy one, Tammy one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, but with that. we can get more into this after the break. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) 
One other scene that I really liked is um, one of my favorite quotes from the movie is when one of the girls from his church hands Bianca the flowers, and he says to her, where is, oh, they're not real, so they last forever. Isn't that neat? And I love that line because it's just, it's, you know, Bianca, she's real. She's going to last forever. And you can just see that he has separation anxiety. Like everyone that he has loved has left him at some point in his life. And he gets to control this. Yep. It's that, that line. I wrote that one down too. Yeah. that line very easily could seem kind of eye rolly because uh-huh. it's, you know, with this movie, but Ryan Gosling delivering it and the performance that he's done up to this point, it, it sells. It's just, mm-hmm. I, yeah, Oof, I love that line. Yes. I, it, it is followed by, I think, I think the one scene in this movie that I, like don't love i love every scene in this movie except for one i i don't dislike this scene but it's just kind of i think it goes on a little bit too long and it's the him singing love oh (laughs) (laughs) i i love that he like whips around and goes oh i should show you how i chop wood and i think it's a weird way to get us to see that lars it isn't an act. He actually is talking to her when no one else is around. Uh-huh. But it's just, I think it, <laughs> maybe it's Ryan Gosling's voice. He's got a interesting voice, but that's the one scene that. <laughs> <laughs> that you just kind of like. I can see what you mean. It is like, uh, it's different singing. <laughs> yep. But um, it kind of comes to play, too, when he, she's in the hospital when Bianca's sick and he's singing it to her as he's, like, running with her in the gurney. Yep, yep, yep. yep. But, yeah, I could see how you saw that it went too long. Do you, do you have a favorite scene in this movie? Oh, I love the dancing scene. That's my favorite, but I'll talk about something else um i'll find another favorite scene i like um i think my favorite well another favorite part is margo is a coworker he has that you can tell that he really likes her but he doesn't know how to go about it and she likes him too margo is just this wonderful person that is so accepting of lars she goes along with it too and um you see their like previous encounters of like he's running away from her because he just doesn't (laughs) know how to act around her he curls up when she comes around and when he has this doll he's able to come up to her and he's slowly starting to be able to communicate and be comfortable with it and you kind of just see him melt all of these layers, that's what he calls them, and is able to get closer to her. And I love the scene where they're go- they just went bowling, and he takes off his glove, 
and he just grabs her hand and holds it there. And you can just see that there's no pain, and he just, I don't know, he smiles. Oh, so good. <laughs> yes, I. that scene also made me cry, the yep. bowling scene. Um, with them bowling, that song is probably my favorite song in any, like, soundtrack movie uh-huh. stuff. Um in case we didn't make it clear, the reason that, that moment that Haley's talking about, just a handshake, mm-hmm. is so powerful, is that you find out with Lars in his um, discussions with Dagmar, uh, he the first time he starts to open up, he says, I have a problem with Karen, his sister-in-law. Um, she she hugs people too much and I think it's just a weird problem Mm -hmm. and Dagmar without judgment was like well you know some people find comfort you know having arms wrapped around you and Lars is like no I don't it Mm -hmm. hurts and and he describes the pain of being hugged which is fucking heartbreaking Mm -hmm. he describes it as you go outside and your foot gets wet in the winter and it's like frozen and then you come inside and your foot like thaws out and it's all tingly. Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like when someone touches him. Mm -hmm. And so she does like a test where she puts a finger on his arm. Wait, you have to say the best line. The best line is it in, well, one of the best lines, there's many. Well, we can't fix Karen, but we can fix you. Yeah. It was but, just like, yeah. this is not a Karen problem. It's a you problem. And I'm going to help you. And I just, oh, I love that. But go on. And it's, again, it's said with no judgment. She's mm-hmm. like, I can't fix her, but I can help you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I'm, I'm a doctor also, so I can help you out if, if you're interested. Even though that's they're tricking him into being there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she puts a finger on his arm. And he, like, you see him get tense. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's okay. And then she puts her whole hand on his arm, and he gets even more tense, but he's like, I can take it. And then it's the very well acted. She, like, puts her arm out and just barely touches his neck, and it's a very, like, tender, reassuring touch. Mm-hmm. And he stands up like he's been stabbed, and he, like, hits the thing. He has to get away from her. Mm-hmm. And... You know, he describes, like, he lives in a place that's always cold, so he can wear lots of layers, and people just don't touch him. And so, I mean, Haley, the scene that you're talking about, like, him smiling, but also just holding the camera on. I love, he puts his hand out to shake her hand. He's clearly testing to see, because he said the only person that doesn't hurt him when he gets touched is Bianca. Mm -hmm. And so he's feeling this and she grabs his hand and it's a great shot of like, she squeezes and his hand is open and then he slowly closes his hand. He wants to hold it there. Mm -hmm. And then he slowly releases and she like rubs her fingers on his palm and he smiles. Uh And I was like, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> it's just a heartwarming movie. It's, yes, it is. I love it. I, yep, the song at the bowling alley is great. The handshake. I just, have, I, I put, the ungloved handshake is perfect. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> um, I also like the scene before it where he kind of has, he's opening up to his brother and he's asking his brother, when did you know you were a man? And to um, back this up, uh, Ryan and his family kind of went through some trauma. His wife or his mother died while giving birth to Lars. And his dad has just never been like fully there. She's just very heartbroken and he's never been touched or anything or like never had a really good father figure in his life. And his brother just left like he couldn't do it. He left when he could. And he's going up to his brother and just talking to him. When did you know you were a man? Like, was it when you had sex? And his brother just came up with a chef's kiss response. <laughs> um, it's when you're doing things right, even if it hurts, you know, um, when you're, mm-hmm. you know, you don't cheat on your wife. You do things for others that don't necessarily make you happy, but are right. And I, what do you have to say about that? Oh, I mean, the, this whole cast knocks it out of the park. I mean, Paul, Paul Schneider, he... Uh, it's so weird to me that he was on Parks and Rec oh, in season yeah. two. Uh-huh. Mark Brandanowitz, and then he's just like erased from the show. Um, he was clearly supposed to be like the Jim of, you know, uh, you know Jim and Pam of, mm-hmm. um, of Parks and Rec, and he shows up. I mean, we've talked about him before. He was great in Away We Go. Mm-hmm. He he just does a good job of being the like solid. You know, everyday man who, like, has to try to stand up and do what's right in the face of trauma. Mm -hmm. And I loved his, I also loved his description of, like, doing what's right, even if it hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and standing up and being there. And, you know, he, it is great because he has that talk and then Lars mimics it when Mm -hmm. he goes on, like, a quasi date with Margot and it another gut punch moment yeah is when is when Karen comes into the house and she's reading and he's sitting there and after all this time of like Lars is crazy he's gone nuts I didn't do this to him him like I did this to him I left him uh-huh. and he is having this mental breakdown because I put him in the fucking garage. Uh-huh. I just... Oh. <sighs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I know. And then I love the part when they're having that conversation, the, uh, when did you know you are a man? He apologizes to Lars. Like, I shouldn't have left you there with that. Like, that was really hard for him to say. But he said it. And you could kind of tell that Lars needed that. And it, it was just such a good scene. Like, you could tell they both felt better after that conversation. They both felt better. but uh, And part of what I love about that scene and Gus and Lars's relationship in this, um, another reason why this movie hits so hard for me, Along with being anxious, I don't like confrontation. Mm-hmm. And so throughout this movie, 
Karen is constantly pushing to like, let's invite Lars over and let's do this. Mm-hmm. And Gus is just like, everything's fine. We don't need to talk about any weirdness. You're, you're okay. You know, and they never really actually communicate. And for me, like if I was in this situation, I would, if I was Gus, I would be constantly dreading, like if I try to talk to him about aban- abandoning him, like, is he going to snap at me, you know, just mm-hmm. going through worst case scenarios. And it's so wonderful that at this moment when Gus decides to fucking step up and just say, this is what you need to do to be a man. And subtext of being like, I didn't realize this until recently. And so I'm sorry, I should have been there for you. Like, I'm sorry. It's not a worst case scenario. Lars needed it, but he also is like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I forgive you. Like, th- there's no blow up. It's no anger. It's these siblings who probably had difficulties communicating their entire life. It really just, it needs to be said if there's an mm-hmm. issue. Like, I'm sorry. I fucked up. And then if, you know, true siblings, you know, people who care about each other, family, mm-hmm. they'll just say, it's okay. Oh. I have a question the, for you. Yeah. Um, so when Lars takes Bianca to the lake the first time and he's talking to her like, oh, um, my brother and his friends used to do this. My brother and his friends used to do this. Lars never once mentions it, mentions himself. I don't even know if he was included. Probably not. And it just, that right there is also like, ah, what did Lars do? Oh my gosh. It's just, it makes it even sadder. Is, so is your, what, what was the question? It was just, did you notice that? Did you notice that he never once mentioned, like, himself in these, like, little narratives that him and his brother would do? No, I didn't. But it makes complete sense, and it mm-hmm. it, it it adds to why it's so devastating. Yeah. And it's... Again, yeah. I feel like in what we're describing, like, it's it's meant to be, you know, that Lars is just a pitiful, sad sack, and he's gone through some stuff, but they, they show that he is a loving, caring person, mm-hmm. and he does what he can with with what tools are, are in his tool chest, and, you know, they're... <laughs> I love that even at the beginning of the movie, when Karen is like, we want to have you for breakfast... And you find out that the blanket he's wearing is the one that his mom made for him before she died, like mm-hmm. giving birth. Like he's constantly he wears it like a scarf. Mm-hmm. And you see him like clutching it at the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie. And the first thing that he does is he gives it to her and is like, "Can you please put it on? Because mm-hmm. I don't want you to get cold. Because I don't want the baby." Like, yeah, Lar- Lars is. You find out he is terrified that Karen is going to lose her mm-hmm. baby because of what happened to his mom. Mm-hmm. And so he just, he is so worried about her and her health. Mm-hmm. And I like, he is a good person. <laughs> yes, he is. I liked one scene when he's talking to the doctor. He's telling her that... Bianca, Bianca's parents died at a young age 
and he's saying, you know, um, one thing I like about her is she doesn't want anyone to feel sorry for her at all. And it kind of was like, does Lars feel that way too? Does he not want anyone to feel sorry for him? He just wants to be treated normally. Like, is this why he is so like, uh? One thousand percent. I, the more I watch the movie, I, the more I feel that like, whenever Lars is talking to Dagmar. Mm-hmm. about Bianca. Mm-hmm. He is in a explicit or implicit way talking about himself. Yep. He is describing himself through her, which is why again he like he need he needed Bianca in order to get help. Mhm. And so yes, I I'm we are 1000% on the same page in that like he he doesn't want people to feel sorry for him. He just just needs a little bit more. Yeah. I liked um, to touch on that. I love the scene when uh, Bianca isn't doing well. He has the community is basically over at his house. He's like, oh, do I need to do anything? And they're like, no, we're here for you. What happens when someone is hurting or someone is grieving? We come over and we sit. And it was just that simple. I was just, yep. oh, now I'm crying. Just like, yeah. oh my gosh, that's so sweet. You come over and you sit when someone's in a hard spot. Yep. It's, yeah, that's what people do when tragedy strikes. They come over and sit. It's, it's weird that that's, that's a thing that mm-hmm. like, but, but it, you know, it's not, you know, how can we help or we're trying to run around, but just like, we're here if you need us. Here's some food. Mm-hmm. We're not going to bother you, but come sit yeah. with us and just be with people who care. It's and, and another quote from that scene is, you know, Lars is Lars comes downstairs and sees all the flowers that have been delivered and these women who have shown up with food and his like first thing is I just feel bad that this is happening so close to the baby being born. Yeah, uh-huh. Because again, this is all a delusion and Lars has chosen at this time to make Bianca sick because he's ready to be with Margot. Mm-hmm. And he's ready to move past this. And it just, it's, he's like, I feel shitty because I'm, I'm making this happen so close to the baby being born. And one of the women just says, that's how life is. Everything all at once. Mm-hmm. That's just, yeah, when it rains, it pours. And it's going to happen. But yeah, I know you're, you're going through this, but we're, we're here for you. Mm-hmm. And and it's I mean it's it's that that like him him kissing that doll yeah and you believe that he is in love with that doll mm-hmm. and his like mental breakdown and then I don't know I. <laughs> Let's gather our thoughts and we'll go into the next commercial break. Okay. And, and we're, we're back. back. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> um, well, 
the next uh, part we wanted to talk about to go with what we are discussing at the very, very beginning about office toys and all that jazz. Um, uh, Margot and one of uh, uh, Lars's co-workers are kind of at it. They're hiding each other's toys and just doing this playful game where the co-worker takes it way too far and literally hangs up Margot's like, teddy bear in a noose. And it's just like, who does that? Like, what a yeah, crazy guy. That's some escalation there. Yes. And she's kind of upset and crying. Lars comes over just quietly, takes the noose off, and starts just performing uh, CPR on the little bear. It's oh, so cute. Yep. She's... she's really sad because she's talking about how she's lonely and that her she just broke up with her boyfriend and then this douchebag co-worker tried to kill her bear and it's just all sad uh Lars doing cpr that was improv that oh, wasn't really? in the script ryan gosling did that and it is adorable because he like he's having a conversation with her but <laughs> yeah if you have it's a beautiful scene where he's like checking the pulse and watching his watch and then he's like pushing on the thing and has it sit up and he you know turns the bear and has it go phew you know and it's 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 an interesting contrast to see like him treating a stuffed animal like that when his girlfriend is a inanimate object yeah you know like but there's some like self-awareness there, but he, yeah, he brings the, <laughs> he brings Margo's thing back to life. What, what, what stuck out in that scene for you? Um, I just love that he, um, just that little touch. It was so cute. And I love how, um, she's like, well, I broke up with my boyfriend and he just, he's just opening up. He's able to finally talk to her without being awkward and running away or curling up. It's just all natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, it's super cute. It's like, how can you not fall in love with Ryan Gosling in this moment? <laughs> he's just so great. Exactly. I, I only have one other scene I wanted to talk about. Okay, um, I think my if you scene had anything else. comes up before um, yours, so I'll discuss mine. Um, okay. So mine is uh, the funeral and the pastor's talking, and this is my favorite quote. Um, he says that Bianca was a lesson in courage, and you can just see, like, uh, Lars looking up, like, it was, like, his lesson that he needed in courage. It was just like, that's so powerful right there. He needed yep. that in order to, you know, be with the community. Oh, I just love that so much. Tearing yep, up again. I love, <laughs> I love I love that the funeral, he, no one's wearing any black. And yeah. that it's a celebration of Bianca's life because, mm -hmm. I, I mean, a testament to this movie and to the community in this and that, like, People are devastated mm -hmm. that this doll has died. <laughs> I know. And People are shocked. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, they're showing up for Lars. And Lars clearly needed that doll. And they saw it. And they, they wanted to help out. 
so, also love that he adds, um, she loved everyone, but she especially loved Lars, especially. And he, you could just see him crying, like, oh my gosh. I know. <sighs> it's, it's so good. It's like, it's clear that they're wrapping it up in such a well, uh, you know, well-constructed way. And then I was telling Amanda, and I think I say this to her every time we watch the movie. Mm-hmm. This movie has a perfect ending scene for me. Mm-hmm. Where everyone's like saying goodbye, you know, after they've buried Bianca and they're all going to go back to Gus and Karen's house. You know, it's typical funeral fare. Mm-hmm. And... Lars and Margo are the only ones left. Dagmar sees the two of them standing mm-hmm. together, and you kind you kind of see that she's like, "Oh, this is why Lars is out of the delusion now because mm-hmm. of Margo." But they're standing there, and she is like clearly upset that they've had to go through this funeral, and she's cold and she's tired. And I think in any other movie, it would have been terrible that they would have kissed or something Mm -hmm. i i love that they don't kiss Mm -hmm. he is the last scene of this movie is the shot of him he's looking down at her grave at bianca's grave and he's sad and then he looks up and he smiles and all he says is want to go for a walk and that's all you fucking need Mm -hmm. that's it it didn't need to be hand-holding she says yes Mm -hmm. but it's like that's all you need to cap off this perfect movie is want to go for a walk i i don't think that this movie would have had the place it does for me now if they had kissed or done any like weird swelling of music with a kiss but the fact that the music grows and it's the music that's playing from the scene in the bowling alley. So mm-hmm. it's like the music of, I think the track is called Margot. Oh, Because really? I have the soundtrack. Yeah, it is him falling in love with Margot and that feeling coming back. He's looking at the grave. He's sad that Bianca's gone, but that music rises and he sees someone who not only doesn't hurt him when, you know, he gets touched, but that he could love. Mm-hmm. And would love him back and want to go for a walk. I love it. Just so good. A great way to end the movie. It, it was tears again the first time I watched it. And uh, I love it. Oh, on a lighter note, um, this is not laughing at ourselves right now. It's more like crying at ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, one of the first gifts that uh, Michael got me was a Ryan Gosling coloring book. And oh, really? Yes. And one of the first pictures I, like, colored in was uh, Bianca and uh, Lars. I'll have to find nice. it. It's so cute. I love it so much. That is amazing. Yes. It has all of his famous roles, the abs and everything. But, yeah. Do you have anything else? No, I just, I love this movie. Please. I know we talked about it a lot, and it probably sounds weird, but you should really go watch it. It's just all around fantastic. 
Yes, and I have some uh, rearranging to do on my uh, letterbox list, so. <laughs> um, the next movie we're going to be discussing is, I believe, The Crown. Is that right? It's The Queen. The Queen. My, yes. my apologies. It's The Queen, and it's Amanda's pick, and I'm really excited because I have never seen it. And, yep. yeah, that's going to be a fun episode. So, yeah, it's it's going to be cool. So this this episode was, uh, you know, my favorite movie of all time. Um, I don't think The Crown, uh, Amanda's birthday is the November 12th, two mm-hmm. days after mine. So that's why we're having her on. Plus, I just, I want to be able to talk with my wife about movies and get her on here as well. Yes. Um, my wife is the biggest fan of like British history and the royal family mm-hmm. and Haley and I have talked about this um, I mean Amanda's been studying and reading stuff since she was little on the royal family and British history and I told her I was like hey is there anything Haley should kind of look up or, or read before this and Amanda said no I actually I want to get the impression of someone who has no context. Oh. So she, she, she'll have plenty of facts for us. She, she said that the movie does enough to tell you what you need to know. Mm -hmm. Um, and that she wants to get your impression just based on, you know, going in blind. I'm excited. So, yeah, we're going to have her on and ask her some questions about why she likes the movie, what works for her, and why it's a good representation of, you know, the royal family. It's it's funny. You you called it The Crown, and that's a Netflix TV show. Uh-huh. On, it's, the, it's on the same woman. It's on the same queen. Uh-huh. Um, and the new season of that comes out... Not next week, but the week after, like oh next Sunday. And uh, uh, I already know, like, that Sunday that it comes out, that's all we're going to be doing is just watching <laughs> that. Like, that's I her favorite thing. It. So it's very good. Okay. I'll hold off on so. watching it till after, but yeah. All right. Yeah. So we're going to continue our, our, our series on. Um, movies about families and we're actually going to be doing uh, a listener's choice episode so we want you guys if you're listening to message us on twitter or instagram uh, there's four movies that we have kind of narrowed down um, that we want to talk about this month and we'll do a bonus episode while we're we'll record it and uh, just get into it so my two movies were the Florida Project, and Rachel Getting Married. And Haley, what were yours? Oh, mine was uh, Life is Beautiful and Grave of the Fireflies. Yes. So um, message us, and I think Haley will, as we get closer to the actual recording of it, she'll put up Instagram polls. We'll do kind of like a Final Four thing where you know, 1v1, 1v1, and then, you know, the winners of the first two rounds will have it decided. So I'm up, I'm excited to watch all four of those movies. Um, yes. So I'm good with any of them. But 
yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please rate and subscribe to our podcast. Let us know how we're doing. Um, again, let us know what movie you think we should do for this month. And, uh, yeah, leave us a review. We're still learning, and we love getting feedback. Yes, and please follow us on Instagram at uslaughingatus and Twitter at siblingslaugh. Um, and please tell uh, if you see a kind, introverted guy or girl, tell them we say hi. Yell it at them because that's what introverts like is just run up to them and yell at them. Say hi right? and run away. That will be yep. even better. They'll be like, oh, good. I don't have to communicate with this crazy person. <laughs> Say hello. Walk away. Then everyone's fine. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Laughing at Ourselves. Bye, yes. guys. Bye, guys.